Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is episode 409. And we're going to need some 409 to cleanse our eyeballs of that bullshit-ass game. The 49ers lose another one to Seattle. Uh, and that's a Seattle team that even the Washington Heineke's could handle. And with me this week, tight-roping his way down the sideline like George Kittle, it's David Newman. Fuck. Huh? That's... Yeah, fuck is right. Like, let's let's go ahead and just put the earmuff warning out. Yeah. We have a couple episodes like this a year. Like, I got my Weller. My mic levels are turned up extra loud. <laughs> Turn your volume down right now. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt just like this fucking game. Absolute fucking chaos. I'm not even going to look. I, I have been taping my nipples while I run <laughs> because it hurts. And this hurt more. Like, I would rather just chafe the nipples. And and th- this game was basically the embodiment of chafed nipples. And and there's unfortunately nothing you can tape to make this one feel better. <laughs> no, and we're gonna have to watch the tape later. This game was absolute fucking chaos. The the Niners, the Niners. I mean, it, it was typical Seattle bullshit. And you knew from the beginning of the game, that from the beginning of the game, when they did the fake punt for a touchdown, it was like, oh fucking. Chaos. Here we go. Saddle up. Saddle the fuck up. It's going to be one of those types of games, and it absolutely was. I mean, turnovers everywhere. You know, you've got penalties that were legit, penalties that were bullshit, penalties that, you know, should have been called but weren't. I mean, at this point, the 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 refereeing is not what ended up costing the Niners the game. Like, if you're going to sit here and say, like, you know, oh, but the referee is like, you, you know, the stated position of the Better Rivals podcast is really, really good teams never have to worry about it because they never put themselves in a position or rarely put themselves in a position to have to worry about the goddamn refs, right? Uh, and also... Arden Key launched himself and hit Russell Wilson in the face with his helmet. Yeah. So like that's, fucking that's a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> like turns out you can't fucking do that. And that's not like a new thing. No, I know. So the 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 game, they come out last week. We we talked about how the first time they played each other, the Niners were like, yeah, let's go after their pass defense. Their fat their pass defense is trash. And they tried to run the ball early. Two for two first down run, second down run. Everyone knew what was coming. Like everyone knew. This is what happens when you try to balance on the thin razor blade of an edge. That is the run game. A perfectly blocked run is going to be good, yes, but guess what? When you've got like nine and a half people in the box, you just can't rely on that forever. And the Niners ran up against that against the Seattle team that we knew was probably going to be stacked up against the run and could actually play the run decently well. Yeah, the run game wasn't there, right? They 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 didn't have the Debo package to lean on in this game to mix things up and and give uh you know the defense a different type of look to to have to worry about. So it was you know going back to kind of more standard under center run game that they've been doing forever. Uh, and yeah, Seattle was was prepared for it. I mean, they just couldn't get anything going consistently there. Uh, it felt like everything was difficult in the run game, like just very little kind of uh you know it feels like most games they have at least like one or two plays where they just kind of everything's schemed up really well and they get kind of like an easy chunk play out of it um you you just didn't have that type of stuff in this one and and then obviously the the passing game was essentially George Kittle doing crazy shit after the catch uh and very little else. I mean, there there were a, a couple of decent throws in there from Jimmy, but overall it was a, a very ugly performance from him. Elijah Mitchell had 22 carries for 66 yards, uh, and the Niners could not capitalize on three turnovers. Ultimately, what this game often comes down to, and, and the reason that Seattle always seems to play the Niners so tough is because it, it seems like, I mean, honestly, the better quarterback generally wins this game when they, when they match up against one another. And Jimmy Garoppolo had... 
a bad game. Like, forget this 99-yard drive at the end when the defense is playing soft-ass coverage and you're hitting stuff underneath and you're able to kind of get down the field. That th- That is not what should be your lasting memory. What should be your lasting memory is an overthrow to Kyle Juszczyk where he is wide open and you're making a fullback try to climb the ladder and catch a pass. You're talking about a high throw to Ayuk on third down. And and that made it a more difficult catch for Ayuk, and it ends up getting overturned on replay. But if he doesn't have to jump 97 yards in, in the air and use his go-go gadget arms to get that ball, if it's actually on target where he doesn't have to leave the ground, that's a catch, and it's easy, and it's a first down. You know, And, and that's not even talking about his interceptions. Yeah. Like this, this is why the Niners look their best when Jimmy Garoppolo is basically just riding the Zamboni and not really doing much else. Yeah, I mean, because there were occasionally some throws in this game, right, where that that were the easy ones that are kind of the the type of throws that they're able to set up when the run game's going, and and you can kind of be very selective and and pick your spots as to when you're going to throw the ball right, and you get some open receivers. They had uh you know a few times where they were able to get guys open over the middle, um and and he's able to take advantage of those. But any any time you get into these situations where it's just he has to throw. Uh, it's it's problematic, and it's just like every once in a while, like I said, there's there were some decent throws in there. I mean, he had the one to Ayuk on the final drive uh, near the sideline was a solid throw. He had the one to Juice that was kind of a back shoulder throw that that was solid up the seam. Um, and so there were some things mixed in there, but you just saw too much inaccuracy, and the the interceptions were just fucking awful. I mean, it it was just some horrendous yeah. misreads. Um, forcing the ball, the players predetermining where you're going. I mean, the, the first one you just, you know, is typical of Garoppolo at this point. Like we've seen it uh, a fucking thousand times where just, just he doesn't see an underneath defender dropping directly under his first read. Uh, and, and there's so much space in front of that wide receiver. This is the, the first interception where Bobby Wagner kind of makes. First of all, Bobby Wagner makes a good catch because he kind of catches it off of his hip. But there is, it, it's the right read, but it's such a terrible throw. It's like, it, all he's got to do is like, just loft that ball into the gobs of space that's that are in front of the wide receiver and and it's an easy completion instead he tra- he like he doesn't even look at the linebacker yeah i mean he doesn't so, see it. so many times that throw and the reason why it's not a, a throw uh that he's looking to get air under it and get it up over the linebackers is because so often that throw is wide open right and it's wide open and he just puts it right on the the receiver he doesn't have to really worry about anything uh and then they do their thing after the catch but when somebody pops up there and and actually gets back and, and isn't completely derailed by the play action, uh, yeah, he just doesn't see him. And, and so he just throws it right to him. I mean, somebody, I, I forget who it was exactly, but somebody joked in the Discord about how Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows everybody except for underneath linebackers and just puts it right in Correct. the fucking chest. Uh, Correct. And then the second one was, was him just doing... Uh, the thing where he stares down George Kittle in this case, like has his, his yep. favorite target that he's going to go to in these third down situations, stares him down, throws it there no matter what. I mean, uh, if it wasn't an overthrow that sailed to the safety, one of the linebackers who were underneath it were going to pick it off. Like there was just, uh, I mean, even Tiki Barber, who was fucking horrendous calling this game. Um, yes. But even he on that play was just like, I yeah, I, I don't know what he's looking at here to like make this throw. Well, the thing about the second interception, too, was that he's got a receiver breaking open. That is the the high level read on that same concept that is actually going across the safety and is running into space. And I, I'm pretty sure it was Ayuk. I think so. And it's like if he just doesn't predetermine that throw and say, I'm throwing it to George Kittle, hell or high water, and actually says, 
oh, look, the receiver right behind George Kittle is actually running open into a window. That's an, another easy completion. He's just leaving so many things on the bone. It, it, it's, it, it was awful. It was bad. You mentioned Tiki Barber. Um, this game made me actually kind of miss Mark Sanchez. A sentence again, never thought I'd say. Never thought I'd say. Not every player just seamlessly goes into the broadcast game and is successful. Yeah. I, I like when Mark Sanchez calls these games. Tiki Barber, um, it was, well, it was a little chafy. There's friction. He needs some body glide, you know? Uh, or what is a Squirrel nut butter? Squirrel's uh, nut butter. That's right. That's, that's, that's the preferred lube of the Better Rivals podcast. Not a sponsor, <laughs> but hey, our uh, phone lines are open. All right? Get in yeah, touch. this is for running, by the way. Running lube. Yep, that's right. This is this is where we're at in our podcast life. Um, there were there were so many things that that I think if you're watching this game and you're pissed off, you're thinking to yourself, okay, why why don't you bring Trey Lance in on a play like that fourth and one, that zone read, that failed zone read, which a penalty bailed him out of that zone read. Um, why don't you bring why don't you bring someone like Trey Lance? Isn't that what he's there for? I get it. I I actually don't think I don't know that that's the right decision either, though. Because the thing is, you bring him in, yeah. Um, and, and everybody you know knows. It's a run. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the thing, like, I actually don't mind that call necessarily. I mean, obviously, it didn't work. Um, and and they didn't. Uh, I mean, Bobby Wagner was right there. He uh, scraped, scraped over and it was beautiful, top, and it was he was waiting for it, and uh, yeah, read it well and and made a good play. But yeah, nobody's expecting that from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and, and so which I think, is why I think that play call makes more sense with yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo than it does the Trey Lance. Yep. I mean, if you were to see Trey Lance all of a sudden trot onto the field, Everybody guess knows what? What's if I'm a lot happening, yeah, exactly. You're going to run a quarterback power, a quarterback counter, or a zone read, and everyone's going to be ready for it. Everyone's going to be waiting for it, and and that's I think the problem with this Trey Lance package. I think Cal Kami had a really good article in the Athletic a couple weeks ago about how Shanahan says. You know, he gets into a play calling rhythm when he's seeing certain fronts and he's got a certain quarterback and he knows what they like. When he switches in and out between quarterbacks, he's like, now I kind of have to get used to the new fronts that the defense is giving me and kind of get used to that flow and that quarterback. And that jumping back and forth isn't great for Shanahan. And and I do think that it makes things a little easier for the defense, too, when you know it's going to be a quarterback run because you're bringing that quarterback in. Um, I do think that when Lance is both a threat to pass or throw when he's the starting quarterback, some of that stuff will be a bit more effective. But right now, I, I think it's absolutely the right call to run that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, I think we found out very early on that this whole, like, bringing Trey Lance in periodically, it just isn't going to work. Like, it, it's just, I think, too predictable. Um, and and I think, yeah, you really limit yourself. And I think, yeah, from a rhythm standpoint, both from Shanahan and a play calling uh, perspective, but and also from a player perspective, right? Like, uh, not only do neither of your quarterbacks get a chance to like get in rhythm if you're constantly bouncing back and forth, but you're you're bouncing back and forth between effectively two different offenses, right? Like, you have a completely different uh, style if you put Trey Lance out there and and the way that you set things up and then the plays that you're going to run there are going to be very different right and so for even the rest of the offense you're kind of going back and forth between these two different styles and yeah i i think uh early on in the season we saw how predictable it was and it wasn't effective and they kind of bailed on it and i think that was the right decision and so yeah i don't think bringing him in 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 this like one situation was going to make a difference in this game uh and i think like yeah it, it ultimately it trey lance's needs to be on the field when they're going to go to Trey Lance and he's going to be the quarterback like this 
one and two plays here and there thing, it like ain't doing it. Yeah, and the 49ers defense in this game wasn't great. Um, they had the issues that they've always seemed to have, but they they did the thing. I felt like they, they did enough to keep the offense in it. Um, and, and even though the Niners, I mean, they, they scored 23, and then I, I don't think they scored a point in the second half. Um, it, it was absolutely a horrendous second half. And, and it was still a, a, a defense that had a couple of goal line turnovers that had a couple of stops. And yeah, they, there were, there was a driver too, especially after the safety where the Niners just got spammed on crossers. I mean, it, it looked like D'Amico Ryan started blitzing a little bit more and started trying to make his defense get something. You start playing with single high and then you start just seeing Russell Wilson hit that crosser over and over and over again. And this was, I think the difference in the game is that you have Russell, Russell Wilson, who's going to hit those throws. And yeah, he's going to get sacked. And yeah, he's going to have a couple tip ball interceptions. But the the touchdown throw to Tyler Lockett, the over routes that he keeps hitting, especially at the sideline. I mean, Tyler Lockett with a great catch at the sideline, making that inbounds. Those are the the accuracy. That's the type of accuracy that helps out your wide receivers and allows them to do something with the ball. And on the flip side, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo basically trying to get his receivers killed uh, by having them jump 19 yards in order to catch footballs. Um, and, and it just it is it's a little too easy, I think, for the the Seattle offense to at spots get what they want from the Niners defense and execute. I, I mean, I think like the the defense overall was fine. Right. I, I, I mean, I think it was it was fine. Uh, I mean, early on, Seattle was looking like they were trying to replay the first game. Like it was it, it was just horrendous offense. Um, I mean, they went out there that opening drive and it was like uh, two screens and, and a, uh, a quick game completion that was tackled for nothing. Uh, and it was just, yeah, again, they like looked like they didn't know that you've got Russell Wilson at quarterback and you've got guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at receiver, right? It's just like yeah. they're doing shit that doesn't make Keep sense. Screens. Yeah. And, Keep and, screens. and it was, uh, and it was awful. I mean, it took them a while. It was until basically what, like the second half of the second quarter before their offense finally got going and they hit, uh, you know, some of the crossers that they were able to get that you mentioned there. And then the other thing that they were able to do that I, I, I think is, very frustrating because it's not a I, I don't want to make this seem like it's a 49ers only thing there's a lot of people that do this type of stuff defensively um and and it's just kind of like it i think it comes down to personnel really and and how often you can do this and right now they're not in a spot where they've got the cornerbacks to be able to do this consistently but the thing that i think offenses can do incredibly easily especially on these third down situations is they can isolate their best receiver in single coverage against one of the 49ers shitty outside cornerbacks. Um, and especially when Mosley, I mean, Mosley's the only one who can kind of hold his own out there in, in these single coverage situations, uh, at least some of the time. But once he went out, I mean, it, it was you had on the, the the first touchdown drive that Seattle had where the, the offense scored, right, excluding the, the uh, fake punt there initially. Um, you had like a third and 13 play um that dk metcalf was able to get isolated on norman and it's basically so what what offenses can do is if they go three by one meaning they put three receivers to one side of the field and you put a single receiver to the opposite side of the field uh the 49ers in these situations on third downs are going to do largely like one of three things they're going to play man coverage they're going to play cover one and so that you're getting the one-on-one matchup to that single receiver side or they're going to play one of two types of zones. They're going to play some sort of fire zone blitz where they're going to bring some pressure. Or they're going to play quarters. These are largely what they're going to go to in these situations. And with all of those options, you end up 
even the zone ones with a one-on-one matchup on that single receiver side and very little help for that guy. Like it's, you know, unless it's like a deep in-breaking type of route, then he'll have a safety there that can maybe help him. But anything outside wide of the numbers, like he's on an island and they don't have the ability like from a talent perspective at corner right now to do this. And it's just so easy. And, And Seattle was able to do that. Uh, pretty consistently in in some key spots there to get conversions. And this is why I think the the philosophy of going front seven first, it can work in the NFL. But I mean, one, you actually have to hit on those picks and you can't have, you know, back injuries. You have your best, some one of your best pass rushes an hour forever. But but the other thing is that you've got to have enough talent at the corner position to be able to stop those one on one kind of quick slant, quick game type things, because your quick game is going to nullify your pass rush. I mean, a three-step drop, throwing a quick slant, you need someone to be able to contest that. Um, and and the 49ers right now, they've got Emmanuel Mosley, and, and that's about it, really. Um, Josh Norman is probably going to get called for pass interference on that front. Um, and and even then, it's like it, 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 Josh Norman's just, you know, he's he's a peanut punch away from really making an impact. But other than that, he's basically going to get roasted, and that's what happened this game, too. Um, the Niners, when when it's interesting to see the, the Ambry Thomas, um, I guess, kind of fluff pieces happen where it's like, you know, oh, Ambry Thomas is now active, you know, and that's, and now he's, you know, making progress. And yet when Emmanuel Mosley got injured, it was Diamond Lenore who went in. So it's pretty clear that even after all this time, Demo is still the guy who is on the pecking order above Ambry Thomas. And even then he had such a short leash. Like he was in there for a couple drives. He gave up that, that deep go route to on, on a long third down to DK Metcalf. And then they pulled him. And now the barnacle comes in and Dante Johnson, you know, has his own issues in this game. But it just seems like they have such a short leash with someone like Demo. And, and yet Josh Norman's out here getting roasted twice as bad. And they're going to go ahead and leave him in there. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, the sad thing. So like the, from a decision making perspective, right, in terms of how they're handling the corners that they do have, like obviously there's there's a ton of questions there that we've talked about several times. But I, I think ultimately where we're at is none of these guys are good. Like, if Diamondor uh, Lenore was that much better than these guys, he would be fucking out on the field. Like, I think he's been, like, it's a little head-scratching with him, I, I think maybe more than some of the other guys, um, because he's at least shown some flashes of good play. It hasn't been consistent, but you can see, like, some ability there that maybe you would want to continue to give him some experience and and see if he can, you know, become a more consistent player there. Um, but I don't think he was ever, like, clearly so good that it's like, yeah, why? like, he needs to be out there no matter what, right? But, like, none of these guys are good. Like, it's basically Mosley is solid, and every single other outside cornerback they have is not good right now. And, and yeah. that's just kind of where they're at. Whoever they want to throw out there, it is not a good situation. Yeah, and if they're in a positive game script, they can hide some of that. Yep. But when you're not in a positive game script, now all of a sudden, uh, and you have a quarterback who can actually threaten you deep. Because this is why I ultimately think that Russell Wilson continues to own the 49ers. It's because, especially in this iteration, I think you know we're not going to relitigate the Jim Harbaugh years, but this iteration of the Niners, it, he is very, very good at doing the thing that the Niners defense can't really stand a whole lot of, and that is targeting receivers in the deep areas of the field relatively quickly and do something uh, when you're in kind of second chance opportunities on the scramble drill, right? He's, he's good at those two things. 
And those are the things that really stress out the 49ers defense in this iteration of that defense. And that's why they seemingly always get into these kind of tit for tat games with, uh, with Russell Wilson. And, and he is just too good at those things. And the Niners have to have a really good game from their quarterback in order to overcome those uh, or a really good game from their defense. And they had a fine game from their defense. They had a, they, they got boosted by some of the special teams bullshit that happened. Um, and then their quarterback just did not help them out at all. Yeah, I, I think I mean, Wilson is going to challenge them down the field like he's going to be willing yeah. to take those shots. And and the entire structure of the 49ers defense is basically set up to prevent big plays like the whole thing that they want to do uh, is is put a lid on the offense, force everything underneath, come up and tackle and trust that you're not going to be able to consistently be comfortable checking down and throwing underneath for 60 minutes and and just eventually you're going to make a mistake or you know you're going to do enough there where you're just not going to be able to put up the points that you need to um, without the ability to generate explosive plays and so but again they don't have the talent on the back end uh, to really hold up in some individual situations and so if even though the 49ers structurally are playing typically very deep and, and very soft to to limit that type of stuff, if you have an offense that's still willing to challenge them, a lot of times that works out very well because either you get some big plays because somebody like Metcalf in this game or Lockett or whoever it is 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 winning that matchup and making a uh, a reception, or a lot of times you get penalties because you know they're fucking terrible and and they don't know how to play the ball in the air. So uh, yeah, I, I think like. Seattle presents some problems there, but I mean, even then, yeah, I think a lot of the failure has to come back to the offense on this game because you look at the, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, the the mistakes that the 49ers offense had, like the defense kind of bailed them out at most of those. Of, yeah. of the I mean, turnovers, I think the the Seahawks only scored after one of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I and mean, the safety is what tied the game. Yeah, right. So like that that yeah. two points is different. Uh, franchise kicker missed an extra point. Um, you know, that, that's a whole nother thing that, that I think doesn't, that goes under the radar, but it's like, this is why you don't pay kickers $5 million a year because you know, it's just, it's something they just, sometimes they have up, sometimes they have downs and you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you look at the, the sacks, they had four sacks, they had, you know, six tackles for loss. I mean, the defense was certainly not shut down, but it, but it was enough. Yep. Um, ultimately it was the offense that, that cost them this game and, and, and that falls squarely on on Jimmy Garoppolo and and I think that Debo Samuel certainly does change some things but they they should have enough firepower even without Debo Samuel I think to beat a a team like the Seahawks at this point I don't know that like the when I remember when we we had an episode maybe four weeks ago before they went on their run and, and I remember you and I were talking about it and it was like okay I mean it feels like the season is basically toast you know they're there they haven't won a game in a month uh, you know, they've only won two games or coming out of their bye. I think it was after the Colts game. And, and I remember you told me you were like, I just don't want to do the thing where like they're going to make a couple of wins because their schedule gets lighter and all of a sudden they're good. And then, you know, they're bad again and they're good again and they're bad again. This is I've seen a lot of people, you know, on even on the discord, on Twitter, like, you know, oh, my God, this team is bad again. It's like, actually, I think this team has always been kind of a 500 team. Yep. And, and this is some 500 team bullshit is what it is. This is a team that loses games they should win, sometimes wins games where you're like, ah, yeah, that was awesome. That was great. And and sometimes loses games that they absolutely should win against inferior competition. And I think this was one of them. And 
it's not until they stabilize the quarterback position that these games are going to get eminently take careable um, or get a lot better in a lot of other areas. Um, and, and none of those things are on the horizon right away. Um, the only thing is, you know, Trey Lance, and, and that's not really going to happen until next season. Yeah. I mean, at, at the earliest, right. But yeah, I, I think, uh, this is an aggressively mediocre team. Um, and, and I think, you know, they, they've got enough talent there that they're, they were never going to be terrible and and be like you know one of the bottom five teams in the league or anything like that without just some absurd injury shit happening again uh and and but they just don't have enough there also it's some key positions specifically quarterback but also in the secondary um to be able to really be a top end team and, and to go out there and win games consistently when things don't go perfectly to script Right, like that, and it really is. Right. You might be asking yourself, how? Like, I mean, the Rams are a good team, and the Rams have a quarterback, and the Rams have a couple stars on defense. How is it that the Niners can go out and wallop the Rams, and then have these fucking year, like literally taking years off my goddamn life games with Seattle, and and I think really it, it's style. Like, not every team matches up with every team perfectly, and. I think when you look big picture at what the Rams do, they like to play light boxes generally and they like to rotate down. And and I do think that that defense is basically saying pass on us uh, or rather it's saying run on us. We're going to defeat the pass. And the Niners are like, cool, we're going to run on you. That's what we do, right? That matchup just tends to favor the 49ers and they can kind of run on them and bludgeon them. And and I do think that Pete Carroll's like, we're going to stop the run because that's what you do. That's what defenses do. Yeah. And you've got Al Woods who, you know, who's like basically six people wide in the interior of the line. And, and that's just not a good matchup for the 49ers. And then when you look at what Russell Wilson can do, you know, that is, it's just not a team that matches up against the Niners. And that's how you end up with these with the fucking games that go crazy and go off the rails. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's all the more reason why they shouldn't have lost that game at home. At least that they're splitting these games. You know, you win at home, you lose on the road, fine, whatever. But um, you know, you lose both and, and now it absolutely sucks. Yeah. I, I think like, uh, it, it's just, yeah, matchups are, are going to be a huge part of this, right? Like, uh, I think matchups with the NFL, like the, the actual talent margins between most of these teams are incredibly thin. Right. And so a lot of it does come down to like how well teams match up and specific strengths and weaknesses of each. And yeah, I, I think for whatever reason, the 49ers, have the Rams number, but just because you beat one good team doesn't make you a good team, right? You have to look at the the full body of work uh, and kind of what they've been able to put together over the course of the entire season. And and I think that evidence suggests that like, even if this team sneaks into the playoff, whether it's, you know, as a six or seven seed, like they're not a dangerous team. Uh, and I think it's just, uh, they're a very mediocre team that's going to kind of have some of those ups and downs. All right, now that we got the depressing, angry bullshit out of the way, um, and the, the I, I got a new TV that I didn't buy it for this game. I got it just because I wanted a new TV, and it was Black Friday, and I got delivered today, and it is awesome. And this game, it was its inaugural journey. I, I spent the 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 noon window mounting the TV, um, much like Russell Wilson mounted the 49ers defense, apparently, uh, and and I was like, man, it's it's it. It's a fucking awesome TV. I will say it's awesome. 
It's great. And, and, and I'm never going to be able to maybe erase the stench of this fucking bullshit ass game off of it from now into forever. This is going to be, you know, the, the TV's maiden voyage, but, uh, let's get to some quick hits, uh, other than my TV and it's maiden voyage and, and things being mounted. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about the refs. Um, the Niners, I think, are currently in the seventh playoff spot. They moved down one spot with Washington moving up to sixth because they won today. They're still in the playoff hunt. I think 538 has them at uh, 64%, 67% chance of making the playoffs. Um, that game against Minnesota was the fulcrum. They may still make the the playoffs and, and likely will at this point make the playoffs. But I think the question you've got to ask yourself is, what will they do in the playoffs and I think it depends on who they match up against. If they go up against a soft-ass run defense, then, yeah, they can cause some problems. But if they go up against, you know, a, a strong pass defense, if they go up against someone like, you know, uh, where Tampa Bay falls, I think will be interesting. They, they were not going to be able to run on Tampa Bay. <laughs> That's going to be basically <laughs> murder-death-kill uh, for the the Buccaneers or for the Niners' run offense. But um, good games if you're looking for silver linings. Uh, Aziz Alshire didn't have a like ridiculously terrible game. 16 tackles, pretty key force fumble. Um, you know, still have some film to watch, but I think first impressions from Aziz started middle linebacker wasn't a liability, had some key plays, was flying around, hitting hard. Thought he had overall a good game. Yeah, I think uh first impression was was certainly solid. I think um he probably had some of those breakdowns in the middle of the field uh, in pass coverage there from from first look at, as well. But I think, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a tough situation. And he was the only one from a linebacking perspective that looked like, you know, that he even maybe belonged That he was there. a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Niners did do what we thought they were going to do, which is basically play a lot of three safety looks. Talano Hufanga in there. Um, play some K1 Williams. Um, I saw... K1 stacked uh, over a, a, a linebacker bubble area. And I was like, oh, this is, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> like, I, I love K1 Williams. I think he plays with some uh, some spunk. But I don't know that I want him, you know, stacking that defensive end on, on the weak side. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> not. Probably not what he's going to do. Someone else uh, who may be earning his bust in the 49ers Museum there at Levi Stadium is DJ Jones. Second on the team in tackles, had a big impact early. Um, he is probably having a, a really good back half of the year. I would say it's the best back half of the year he's had in his career, only because he's actually playing in games that are actually on the back half of the season. He's not made it this far, I think, before in his career. And and I'm glad he's here. I think he's a, he's a good player. I've always liked DJ Jones, but he's actually finally playing, and so it, it matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, have we even seen him this late in the year? But uh yeah, no. I, I agree. I think he's uh definitely played well today and and was in there on a lot of the the run game stuff, um, especially. And yeah, I, I think he's obviously a solid piece when he can be available and be there. All right. Uh anything else about this game? Uh I'm ready to go try to watch something else on my new big ass television so I can <laughs> fucking forget this game. Cause I I like okay, there there was uh questions about what you're uh, oh hold on i forgot one last thing oh wait uh, the playoffs there we go the obligatory just you know just in case um everyone was asking i think uh or not everyone a few people were asking on the social media is like what's your what's your rival what's the most hated rival who do you remember like some people remember the cowboys and they still hate them some people it's the packers um i'm i'm old enough to have lived and watched games during all three of those rivalries, right? Whether it was the Packers, whether it was, fuck, I remember the Falcons and the Saints. Um, you know, the the Seahawks, though, are right now, both because of recency bias and because they've had the games that have meant the most 
over the last probably five years, it's easily the Seahawks. It's absolutely easily the fucking Seahawks. I fucking hate that team. I hate their stupid highlighter yellow ass fucking jerseys. I hate their stupid fucking stadium. I hate their dumb fucking fans. Like, I do not like that fucking team. I don't like Russell Wilson and his stupid nano bubble ass face. I hate that he is so good at scramble drills. I don't like Tyler Lockett. I hate fucking DK Metcalf and his stupid little sucker pacifier thing in his fucking mouth. What the fuck is that? Stop that. You're not a baby. You're not a child. Get that out of your fucking mouth. Stop it. That's how I feel about the fucking Seahawks. Nothing further to add. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. And on that Um, note, that's the fucking outro music. Let's get out of here. David, tell me about the Patreon. (laughs) Patreon.com slash better rivals. Go there. Support us. Oscar needs at least one more beer. Um, and, and so I'm going to go have a beer. I'm going to have a Christmas beer. And I'm going to think about all the reasons the Seahawks fucking suck. Do it, do it for that. I got nothing else for you this week. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you are enjoying yourself in every way that you possibly can. Because you know what? We should. Uh, but thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.